0: You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. My name is Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang.
1: I'm um, Evie.
0: Today, this week, we've got a whole bunch of stuff recording on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. If you are listening to Not Good Enough for the first time, we haven't done this in a while, hi, welcome. Um, we are a bunch of like hard left semi-professionals in fields unrelated to most of the things we talk about, and we cover uh, news, culture, and politics in a comedically non-defamatory and satirical way. <laughs>
1: That's such a flattering description of us. And climate.
0: That's an important one. Climate science. Yeah, that one
2: too. (laughs) Climate change.
0: Mainly climate change through the lens of the science was settled a long time ago. Holy shit, we're burning, we're burning. Please do something, politics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think one thing to clarify for people, um, if you are new to the podcast, is that we are literally always right. Um, Everything we've ever said has been factually on point and correct
1: it's hard but it's true to deal with exactly that's true that's true but
0: not even the things we've talked about that have happened in the past things we've talked about that were coming up or should be revealed or coming up in the future to the point where i reckon we should have a um a segment called called it or something like that (laughs) where we just pat ourselves on the back a whole bunch uh Um, patting ourselves on the back as a shift away from our usual pace (laughs) yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just as a just a couple of quick things up top that I'm really happy about. Um, Annalise Van Diemen, who was the um, what does, no one. Oh, what's her full title? It's a mouthful. The deputy, Ch- deputy chief, chief, chief health secretary yep. Victoria.
2: Uh, Victoria? Yeah, Victoria. Okay. State. Okay. Yep. That's why they hated her so much. Is because she's from that horrible state uh, of Victoria. Where she's from the communist you know,
1: state of Victoria.
0: Yep. Yeah.
3: Sipping their lattes. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, she was totally cleared of um, any wrongdoing whatsoever when she tweeted that there was seemingly links between the way COVID works and the way Captain Cook worked. And we were right in saying that she was good for saying the things that she said.
2: <laughs> Last week we said colonialism is bad and this yeah. week we're glad to say that history <sighs> has borne us out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Finally. <laughs>
1: The the funny detail about this is that she got snitched on by James Newbury, who himself is like prone to starting lots of internal fights. So yeah. here he is snitching off the James communist. Newbery? So James
0: Newbury is a um, the member for Brighton. He is a young upstart, known as one of like the Young Turks in the Liberal Party. Is this like he's a Christian hard right factionalist inside the Liberal Party? Who Gross. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say right now another not good enough um, projection and another, another n- not good enough flag you can put in the ground is that James Newbury will become a minor character in a whole bunch of different reporting and scandals coming up in the next few years. <laughs>
2: totally. This, this is if you're new to the podcast, we have a theory that minor characters are I guess the people who are pulling all the strings behind the scenes because they keep fucking appearing in the... (laughs) Minor character is like you know, seasoned villain, they they, they mean the same thing.
3: (laughs) We want to be clear, they're they're not puppet masters. They're not, like, controlling things in a shadowy way. They're just idiots who keep popping up like a Seinfeld (laughs) extra. They're Newman. They're not the source of all the problems. They're just always fucking there. Lang, I would actually
1: counter that slightly. I'd say they're the grease (laughs) in the wheels that turn the corruption. (laughs) They're like, yeah. they're not, they're necessary to continue things. They're not quite, like, you don't really think about them a lot, but they still pop up here and there, and they appear to sort of move <laughs> things along just slightly.
2: So corruption lubricant James Newbury <laughs> reported an Elise <laughs> <animalism laughs> Van <demon laughs> saying colonialism was bad. Not saying he's corrupt, just saying he's lubricant.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he just exists happily in in a system that facilitates and works off of corruption but he's probably fine um the other news that we uh we definitely called was um more um what would you say like some more parts of the royal commission into child abuse in the catholic church has been unredacted and it turns out george pell was well aware of children being sexually abused in his parishes uh when he was in charge of the priests doing the abusing everyone yeah, makes I'm this shocked, shocked face oh. yeah i think get right yeah, this is, this is I've, I've got to say,
2: like, us patting ourselves on the back for saying, like, we called it, we knew George Pell was disgusting. It's like, you know, there's a yeah. big comet in the sky just about to smash into Earth, and
0: then it smashes into Earth, and we're like, oh, we called it, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no I will, I will, I will at least say... Given the defamation laws in this country, the comet hurtling across Earth has The Guardian and ABC being like, look, we don't even know what the comet's made out of. Or it could be a hallucination. Who can say? Look, we, we can't say for sure. All we know is that stock prices are down. <laughs> <laughs> What's the comet going to mean for the all ordinary? <laughs> <laughs> Not looking good. Um, so, anyway, yeah, George Pell, Burn in Hell. Uh, oh, that rhymes and I don't like that. That sucks. Please nah, edit that yeah. out. That's,
3: that's,
2: that's, <laughs> that
0: sucks. At least... Put a musical sting under it. Burn. (laughs) Yeah. Vaguely. (laughs) In whatever way. Look,
2: if you have to die before it's morally okay to set you on fire, then fine, (laughs) I
0: guess.
2: (laughs) If you must.
3: Only God can judge him, and we hope he does. And yeah, I mean, because the High Court. Don't fuck it
2: for judging. Yeah. <laughs> the, hot, the High Court did judge him and they were like, he shouldn't be in prison. He seems like a good boy. I went to school with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and he wasn't abusing kids in school. <laughs> and airpiece? Oh. Well, anyway. Sorry to be a
1: legal pedant, but that's not what the High Court said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who gives a shit? They let him out of prison and they did it on purpose and they knew yes. that would happen and they did it. And it yeah. happened. <laughs> Oh. And it turns out
1: he's still a pedophile enabler.
2: Oh, yeah. So the actual news was that he was just well aware of all of the uh, child abuse that was happening in the church and he sort of uh, existed on various parts of a spectrum between mm. did nothing to stop yeah. it and helped cover it. Um, and we're also, Horrible.
0: Just, like, horrible in, like, I think that's sort of like the banality of evil that people bring up every so often, but it, it's evil so far as, like, it was just met with a shrug. Which is in some ways worse than it being, like, you know, fought against, but it, it prevailed against a good person trying to do good things. Like, the fact that there was people in his position that just were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a bit of a- that's a sticky wicket, isn't it? Let's move him onto a different parish. Like That's fuck. That is yeah. absolutely disgusting. I think like I had an argument with someone where it was
3: like, look, it it just- it doesn't mean everybody in that church is bad, but it does mean you don't automatically give them the benefit of the doubt. There's so much bad shit happening at every level there that you you start with a level of skepticism at best.
1: I think it speaks to how many bad things like you know have been happening in relation to the Catholic Church and just generally in uh, you know international news lately that uh, the general reaction being a shrug is more of a, well, yeah, the bad guy got away with it again. I guess I, that's I just it, what happens.
2: I think it's less that they're like, "Oh, look, hey, guess what? We're fine with child abuse," and it's more that, as a group, the leadership of the Catholic Church, and you know, we now know that that leadership has this stance at basically every level, is just in broad, non-controversial agreement that the power of the Catholic Church is more important than children not being abused. Yeah. yeah. Like, nobody's like, I'll oh, go on, abuse them, whatever. Yeah. But they are like, oh, well, yes, obviously, that it's not great that they're being abused, but <laughs> what are we going to do? Take any kind of hit to the power uh-huh. of the Catholic Church? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely
0: not. So you know what? You
2: know, yeah. not ideal, but what are you going to do? I...
0: Like, probably, but I'm only going to put, like, an 85% chance on that being the case. But also, the way it's worked systemically everywhere, I reckon there's a non-insignificant proportion of them that are just like, oh, actually, no, it's part of our tradition. We just don't talk about it publicly.
2: I mean, it's also part of their tradition to do the abusing because we know that it's widespread. So, you've got the the people who are doing it, obviously, pro-child abuse, and then the people who aren't doing it are just sort of, like, neutral to, to... To child abuse, but certainly pro-Catholic church power.
1: I just had an intrusive thought about, um, do you remember after the um, high court judgment, there was like a subtweet from the Pontifex Twitter account about how like, you know, the innocent being released or something like that. I can't remember what the exact tweet was like. And I just thought about that now and just how much worse it is looking at, you know, a a pope or just a leader of a religious organization knowing that Mm. Pell was involved with covering things up.
3: The day we cancelled the pope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
2: it really was Yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah which really That's a fucking long
2: time coming Hey yeah. it, like, it only took us this long To realise well, that the Pope was bad Everyone was
3: like Maybe this years. guy's okay uh, That's right, the thing they keep,
0: they keep swapping him out Every time we get close to cancelling him They just replace him with a new one And we can't cancel him remember, remember the guy before The one we've got in now When all of the Catholic Church news Was breaking internationally was like um, I feel sick I'm going to resign And just left uh. like, he, he just ran off He just learned about the child abuse and he was
2: like, oh no, (laughs) I won't stand for this, but I also won't say anything about it in my position as the Pope because the power of the Catholic Church is more (laughs) important than a system of child abuse.
3: He saw the writing on the wall.
2: Even the guy who ran away believed that Mm -hmm. because I think it's not controversial to say they all believe that. (laughs) <laughs> Even practicing Catholics, if you're listening to this and you're a Catholic yourself, uh oh,
1: <laughs>
2: got bad news about what you personally believe. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, I, I, anyway, I uh,
3: to, to, to cut a long story short, uh, George felt <laughs> bad, religion bad, Catholicism bad. Um, uh, yeah, we've gone on that one God for bad. a little while.
2: Jesus bad, Holy Spirit bad. Now Jesus. Father, Jesus all right.
3: Jesus was okay. He was he was in there kicking the moneylenders out of the church. Yeah, sticking Jesus it to the alone man. Was a I go I got a soft spot for Jesus.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> Controversial take. The the, the definitionally per- most perfect man that ever existed. I've got a soft spot for him. Next story. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> Um, we've just got a quick little story, uh, with more nationalized news. Um, a small study has come out of Finland saying that a universal basic income seems to improve everyone's, um, being And it also imp- improves employment and productivity in the companies that are involved in it. So it's essentially what everyone has, you know, already found in all these other studies and what you know in your heart to be true. When you are feeling secure financially, and when you don't have to work as much, you get more done and feel like working more.
3: To continue our trend of stories where you're like, Well duh.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, see the thing is, like, I'm glad like I mean, I personally in my heart feel well duh. But we actually have like a practical study now that's gone over two years where you can see how people have improved. So now we actually finally have something like, you know, there's been plenty of like localized studies within, you know, small groups of people and stuff like that, but this is a countrywide study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this oh, yeah, is it. it's very good. Yeah. So duh, but also let's do it.
2: (laughs) There's there's I think the duh thing comes from we've got like a really, really entrenched sort of Protestant work ethic sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Work is suffering, but that suffering is important. And so everybody has to work, and if they're suffering because of work, that's work, right? And then the sort of the socialist standpoint is that human beings like deserve dignity and Uh, a a really good way to get dignity is to feel like you're making a positive impact in anything, you know, that you're doing something that's constructive and helping other people. And that means that if you've just got a healthy society, people will want to do stuff that helps other people because that is the, like Mm. a drive that basically everybody has. And there's enough people who don't have that drive that it's kind of fine. And that's the study is just like, if you just give everybody enough money to get by, then most people still want to work because work, brings like or dignified work brings dignity yeah. yeah
3: i think it's it's that the protestant work ethic thing is that work is a moral virtue but also something people have to be forced into doing and if left to yeah. their own devices they'll not only be lazy but that that will somehow be bad um you're only allowed to be lazy if you're already a billionaire
0: preferably off the (laughs) back of someone else yeah that's that's what i was gonna say whenever anyone brings up that like well we can't we can't just give everyone money because they'll just be lazy and they won't work they're telling on themselves that's always that's always coming Mm. from people who have like a whole bunch of like that or they want a whole bunch of investment properties or they want to own land to just get rent off that or they want to like sell a bunch of corporations and live off of that forever you don't I've never really heard that from people who are already labourers. Just yeah, being like, oh, I just want to slack off.
3: Like, mm. they the same people who would say, I can't wait till I get rich because then I can just go on a holiday to the Bahamas. You're never like, well, maybe you need to jump through some Centrelink hoops because that doesn't sound like it'll help the economy. <laughs> Your bludger.
0: <laughs> Take that.
3: If you listen to this podcast, you know that we're all rabid lefties. Um, we're also all like, most of us are ex-comedians or current comedians or somehow involved with that. Um, we're all into like politics and science and stuff like that. What you probably don't know is that we're also mostly or entirely like massive board game nerds. Like Love three, board games. <laughs> three of the five people on this podcast have published board games. Like we're not. Oh gosh. We're not just enthusiasts. We are like. Yeah. You can find. We'll link
0: you. You can buy our board games. Yeah. Um, the other two are cool dudes, but.
1: Yeah. Evie, Evie, really have-
0: Evie and I don't suck. But
1: yeah, we. I don't have anything to shill. I just. I like my friends doing stuff. It's fine.
0: I do. My um, band's called Eye of the Enemy. If you like heavy metal, you can check that out. <laughs> Um, it's okay to
3: it's okay to advertise a thing if you're not making very much money off it.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah, so- no, I totally, I totally didn't think that. Like, yeah, you guys, because because also for context, like I know that you guys have like huge, big like rooms full of board game stuff, and I was always like, yeah, you guys are the board game guys, and it and I also knew that you guys had published it, but yeah, you guys love board games so much, you made your own and set them out into the world like officially and properly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a shops, lot
2: of my board games it? I got. No, even from buying board games just because i had a bunch of my own board game and i went up to other board game creators and was like you want to do a swapsies and they were like sure (laughs) that is
3: true um anyway anyway so uh it's it's an interesting place to be because most people um don't have a strong awareness of board games like even less than almost any other form of art like most people even if they only watch trash blockbusters they're aware of the existence of Friggin' artsy movies they just don't see them before
1: i met you lang i don't think i really had that much of an awareness of board games i think like the first time like i came over to play games or something i think i mentioned cards against humanity and i saw someone flinch (laughs) Um.
2: (laughs) well
3: yeah that's the thing like most people don't even know board games exist outside of what you buy at kmart
2: cards against humanity is a great one as well because it's like You know, you're like, I'm into board games. And they're like, oh, like Monopoly. And you're like, no, (laughs) No. (laughs) like board games that you haven't heard of. And they're like, oh, like Cards Against Humanity. you're
1: like, no. (laughs) Or Exploding Kings or something. (laughs) um,
3: But that's the thing is the board games most people have heard of, and this is becoming a very long intro, Mm
1: -hmm. are
3: usually board games that people who are into board games actively despise. And the big one is (laughs) Monopoly. And when I tell that to people, they go, oh, but Monopoly is a bit of fun. But this is the thought exercise I tell people. Have you ever finished a game of Monopoly and everyone's had fun? (laughs) Like, And honestly, the fact that no one can answer that question in the positive is insane. This is probably the most popular board game published. No one has finished a game of that and everyone at the table went, that's great. I'm better friends with the all now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, but like That's why insane. does that gas, why does that gaslighting happen like like, well, like i understand that thought exercise and I've definitely thought that through and I'm like hmm. oh crap I've never actually enjoyed this game um well the, the answer is why? It's
2: capitalism right yeah. where it's just like monopoly is the most widespread board game because it has a shitload of advertising dollars but also because it's just got the sort of brain capital of having yeah. been a popular board game for decades it's and, like and so they' just they already have that
3: it's like McDonald's um, because it's everywhere. People assume it must be good um, or that there must be a reason for it. But if you were to try and start McDonald's, if you were to have a single McDonald's restaurant and try to get people to come and eat your food, they'd be like, this is trash. Why would I ever come here?
1: Hey, and they have a very lucrative relationship too.
3: Yeah. Because it already has market dominance. Um, yeah. I mean, if McDonald's didn't have a multi-billion dollar empire before it, um, behind it, they'd never be able to start a restaurant off the merit of their food. Um, and so if you get rid of McDonald's, you make room for better stuff, probably. Um, anyway, the reason I was thinking about Monopoly <laughs> and well, the reason I'm, I'm always thinking about Monopoly, but the reason I'm talking about Monopoly when I normally haven't is it started popping up on Twitter a lot more um, because late last year they brought out a new version of the game because they bring out fucking 10 a year. Um, but this time it was Ms. Monopoly, uh, which is Monopoly, but Feminist. <laughs> and oh my god, it's friggin' insane. The wink, ad wink. is so
1: good. Yeah, we'll link the
3: ad in the notes, but it's Monopoly's gone. Cause Monopoly goes, oh, what are people into this year? Star Wars, Harry Potter. We'll make a Monopoly of them. What are they into this year? It's feminism. Great. We'll make Monopoly but women. Instead of buying properties in Atlantic City, you buy inventions by female inventors. Hasbro created a game that no other game maker has ever done before. A game that features Ms. Monopoly whose goal is to make a difference by celebrating female inventors and inspiring young entrepreneurs everywhere.
1: The great thing about the ad, so at home, I like to play this, the few times that I have to watch commercial TV or anything when I'm watching, like, my shitty dating shows or whatever, (laughs) um, there's a game I like to play with, like, the kind of slow piano music inspirational ads, and it's called Bank Insurance or um, Superannuation. (laughs) I know the game. And it's basically... (laughs) Yeah, you have to watch the ad and try to guess before it comes to the end to the big reveal what that ad is trying to shill, and it's usually bank, super, or insurance. and Sometimes it's a car.
3: Sometimes it's – or a mobile phone service.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I thought for sure – like there's been a lot of those ads recently because everyone's doing in these trying time at, times mm. ads for coronavirus. <sighs> um, but the great one about this is like it's – you cannot guess – it right comes up out until of no. Way. Well,
2: you can now. Sorry.
0: Yes. <laughs> <Spoiling> <laughs> <on with it. laughs>
2: Watch this ad for Monopoly that we've spent 25 minutes leading into. You're never going to guess what it's an ad for. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: ANZ. <laughs>
3: um so Monopoly's gone all right. All right. Feminism. <laughs> feminism. But because Monopoly is made by um who's it made by? Hasbro? Parker yep. Brothers? Yeah. it's Hasbro. Hasbro. Okay. Um because Monopoly is this giant shitty uh corporation like it's made by people who don't Seem to give a shit about board games being fun or nice. They're just selling merch at this point. Um, they don't give a shit about feminism. They've just re, rebadged badged Monopoly, but to make it feminist. They've put, uh, f- inventions by female inventors. And, uh, if you're a girl, you start with an extra 500 bucks. And all of the, all the chance cards are like, oh, you, you want a baseball game because you throw like a girl, get an extra 100 bucks. That's literally one of them. Um,
1: <laughs> oh
3: literally out!
1: this is giving me like malibu barbie vibes
3: <laughs> the really interesting thing here and the reason that i wanted to talk about this is um and not a lot of people know this but an invention that was famously invented by a woman and then stolen and sold by men is monopoly
1: <laughs> i did not know this by the way it's so amazing
3: the game Monopoly was invented by a socialist woman in, like, the early 1900s, yeah. um, back when women, like, had no options for career or life or stuff outside of getting married or being crazy um, in the <laughs> eyes of society. She was called Elizabeth Maggie, if that's how you it. It might be Meiji, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so she was
2: Magi. Yeah, <laughs> she
3: she um, invented Monopoly, the game. It's gone through a few changes, but it was very, very similar to the one that you can play now. Um, Not the female one, the, the original Monopoly. She invented it as an educational political teaching tool to show people why free market real estate capitalism doesn't work. Why it ends up with someone owning everything and everybody else being broke and destitute and dying homeless. Um, which if you've ever played Monopoly will sound very familiar to you. The,
0: yeah. The um, original, the original Monopoly was called the landlord's game and it was to teach people how bad monopolies are.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and, and it, but it came with extra rules, which were like, ah, oh, so that didn't work. Try these extra rules where when someone like creates yeah. some wealth, it gets distributed to everybody. Everyone has a nicer <laughs> time. Nobody dies in the ditch. Um, and that kind of got nicked by this other guy, Charles Darrow, after it. it. It it was kind of spread around. It was pirated a bit. It was a different world. But she had the patents for it. He kind of stole a version of it and sold that to Hasbro. Um, Hasbro also bought her version, or like they optioned it, but they never actually bought it to Parker Brothers. Sorry, the previous company that had Monopoly. Um, Parker Brothers did look at her version, but chose not to uh, publish that version. Um, They published Charles Darrow's version. Um, They gave her 500 bucks just so that there wouldn't be like a copyright claim or something. And then they proceeded to obviously make billions and billions of dollars of it. And they do not acknowledge her at all. They never (laughs) say that this is in any way associated with the landlord game. They stripped out all of the the socialist stuff and they just made it. Capitalism's great. Bankrupt your friends. This is amazing. Which... (laughs) also isn't a very feminist message if you're selling Ms. Monopoly and you're saying oh we're we're buying because Ms. Monopoly you're not inventing inventions you're buying inventions and then renting them to other people to create capital and drive everyone else bankrupt using your female inventions like
0: (laughs) one of which by the way yeah isn't Monopoly Uh, Elizabeth Maggi is not one of the amazing inventors that inspire us every day that you can play as in Miss Monopoly she is entirely forgotten about
3: and so this is something that is a word I love, which is ludonarrative dissonance. This is the, That's good stuff. The difference between the story you're trying to tell and the mechanics of the game. The story you want to tell with a feminist game is women are empowered and can create things and can work together. But the story you tell with Monopoly is destroy your friends and drive them under the wheels of capitalism. Um, and those two <laughs> things do not go together. Like, yeah, if a game shows how a system is bad and broken, like the original Monopoly did, then that's a useful teaching tool. Um, But the problem is Monopoly sends this message that, oh, capitalism's great. And if you're not having fun, you need to try harder. You need to play better. And the people who win Monopoly are always like, oh, better luck next time, buddy. It's a fair game. I had fun. What's wrong with you? Everyone else is crying. (laughs) Two of them (laughs) left two hours earlier to do something better with their lives.
2: But the nature of capitalism, if you're really doing it, it's beginning like, alright, you'll do better next round. Starting up the next round. Now we're doing uh, the the capitalist rules variant, which means we start with the same money balance as we mm. ended the last game with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm starting yeah. I'm starting the money with the same balance my grandfather did when he played in 1975. So Monopoly is a
3: horrifically unfair and unfun game, but it's more fair than actual capitalism. Um <laughs> They also made Monopoly for Millennials, um, where you start with less money, don't buy houses, and just go around the board, uh, competing to discover experiences. Um, that's all. <laughs> all
0: hey, real.
1: Is that.
3: that,
0: that is, is that true. for real?
1: That's for real. I only um, heard the. Oh my god.
0: Yep. just ca- like making making experiences capital that can be traded around and just fucking yeah. sucking yeah. out the heart and soul of every single experience you have into a transactional sort of competition with your friends always- <laughs> he's actually a really good representation of millennial living <laughs>
3: Monopoly for millennials, you still buy and sell experiences. You just, if you're the first one there, you get to discover that experience by paying $150. And everyone else there visits the experience by paying you $20. It's exactly the same Discovered the
2: experience of visiting the fucking Taj Mahal. And now you're just like, well, I was the first one who did it. And so now I, a millennial, own the Taj Mahal.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I want to understand, though, who's... um involved in like the re well i mean i wouldn't say rebranding there's always like five different kinds of monopoly coming out Mm. every year like there's like football versions of monopoly and pop stars and stuff like that but it's interesting to me that in the last few years it's been these specific ones so there's been like Ms. monopoly there's been monopoly for millennials there's been the one that i think you're gonna talk about which is the uh, monopoly for socialists <laughs> yeah, yes. like, and I mean, it's oh, it's, yeah,
3: it's, it's soulless advertising. Yeah, but like,
1: it, or, it seems like you know, a very specific. It seems like a very specific direction, which is that they're going in the triggered libs direction. Like, yeah. oh, here's a thing that will go viral on social media, and people can complain about it. But like, to what end? Like, a okay, a bit. I think
2: that because they they it's a really shotgun approach. Like, they bring out 15 different rebrands every 20 minutes. So the fact that some of them are sort of in that direction is. True, but I don't think it's any kind of like concerted marketing ploy from Hasbro. Yeah, like, it just seems They really made a odd. Jersey Boys Monopoly that a bunch of people <laughs> right, right, right. I- I- had in a shared workspace that I, that I worked in a little while ago that, <laughs> that just had, um, yeah, Jersey Boys Monopoly. It's called Walk Like a Monopoly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so here's, here's my theory on Monopoly um, and, and a lot of other things as well is Monopoly is not something you buy yourself. None of these versions of Monopoly are things that you say, I want that, I'll buy it for myself. They are largely things you buy as gifts. Um, and any product that is, that is sold as a gift, and these are the things you buy in those, you know, those shops like in, at airports and, and malls where they just sell garbage, little joke things. They're not designed to be actually good or useful or fun in any way. They are designed to appeal to the gift uh, gifter, not the giftee. They say, oh, this will be a fun joke for 20 seconds. Oh, you like Jersey Boys? Here's a Jersey Boys Monopoly. Oh, yep. you like friggin' I don't know, hating on <laughs> socialists. Here's a socialist monopoly.
0: <laughs> you like women. Here's yeah. women, here's women well, monopoly.
3: Well, put it on the shelf or even you buy it as a gag gift, like, like those hen's night's gifts, the, the dick straws. No one is trying to, no one is going, how can we make a, a functional dick straw? They're just saying this will be funny for 20 seconds as a gag. Yeah. Um, and the, the cost of producing games of Monopoly is so low if you're Hasbro. You can print
2: millions of these. Yeah, They've just got the supply chain set up. Yeah. Um, just the, Oh, Lang likes board games. Lang, we got <laughs> you a board game Monopoly.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
3: <Trump>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a socialist Monopoly. I won't go into it, but it's, it's basically ragging on socialists. The, uh, the, the tagline is winning is for capitalists, and it's made by someone who does not understand socialism. Um, and it's all just like, oh no, they've got universal basic income, that's going to cost you some taxes. So it's like the players are wealthy billionaires, and they're having to pay for socialism. It's it's uh, thoroughly bullshit, I'm not going to go into it, because it's just dumb.
2: I, I think that so, I, yeah. it's actually kind of onto something where winning is for capitalists, both in the sense <laughs> of like... Currently, the capitalists are absolutely winning. Um, But also the fact that the idea of winning is a very capitalist sort of thing and a social, like a truly socialist monopoly would just be opening the box, being like, huh, there's a bunch of resources in this box represented by the money. What if we just split it up evenly and don't worry about any of the market?
1: (laughs) It's remarkably self-aware for a a joke game. Yeah, if you do that,
3: you (laughs) save yourself four hours and stay better friends with everybody. Um, So, (laughs) in fact, you have all won
2: by not playing Monopoly. Yeah, I mean it's the whole thing of like that doesn't sound like a very fun game though, and it's like yeah, we're not we socialists are not campaigning for fucking society be to be run on the basis of what's the most fun sort of thing. It's like let's get everyone okay, let's make sure everyone's taken care of, yeah. and if that's less fun for the people who are winning, like who fucking cares? Yeah. <laughs> Just give us a boring society where people don't die from lack of healthcare. Yeah,
3: <laughs> winning monopoly here means you get to eat tonight.
0: Quick news here, Um, this is something that um, I think Evie made mention that we should definitely actually be pointing out. We are a very pro-union podcast, but there is a union you have to stay away from. It's It's the the goddamn Shoppies. The Shoppies union has uh, once again fucked over workers in Australia, but this time they've done it in lockstep with the Australian... What's the Council, Shoppies Union? The, sorry, the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Um the Shoppies Union are the ones that take care of people essentially um the lowest level workers in store at places like Woolies and Coles. Right. Um so they yeah, they well, they, the, they started the,
2: the SDA the, um, yeah, the SDA shop shop something and something employees.
0: Make, <laughs> make a make a make a quick mark here and then I reckon put in a really bad and obvious like edit later on where- it's the Shop Distributed uh, Distributive and Allied Employees
2: Association.
0: In line in line with what we're talking about, the um, the ACTU and the Shoppies Union um, agree have agreed to waive overtime rates for part timers, relax roster restrictions, and stop employees from quote unreasonably refusing to take annual leave. This is in response to the uh, COVID crisis, obviously, because these uh, employers, especially big businesses, are saying that oh we need to we need to stop paying our workers as much, and we need to um, you know be able to cancel their shift at a moment's notice and whatnot, mm. um, this, is, this is in an effort to keep the economy going um, mm. and they're using the line of, you know, it'll, it'll help all those mum and pop businesses out there. Um, reporting has already found that Domino's and McDonald's are expected to be the biggest beneficiaries of these, uh, of these yeah, changes. I bet, I bet McDonald's
3: um, was really worried about their bottom line there.
0: Yeah, I mean, McDonald's
2: and the shoppies union here have uh, such a a, a classic union employer relationship where the union is constantly fighting the employer and the employer is constantly like, oh, my God, this union, they're forcing our hand so often. Um, McDonald's, uh, I think, automatically signs up their workers for the shoppies union when you when you Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I was going to say, let's, let's go through some of the reasons why you should be wary of the shoppies union. McDonald's and a bunch of other places automatically signed their workers up to them. They were against marriage equality on ideological religious grounds during that whole debate. And they were the only union that was exempt from the Royal Commission into unions from the Liberal Party. That should give you an idea, just like some, you know, some, some porting evidence of why you should probably be fucking worried about the shoppies. And if you're in the SDA, leave and join up either um, Rafu or Hospo Voice or we should, we should link a bunch in the show notes. But better yeah. unions that you can go to than those guys. I,
2: I would say that d- if d- you're in the shoppies union and you don't want to leave because it's much more convenient to be in the shoppies union because your employer has an ar- arrangement with them that your um, union fees get taken out of your pay directly and given directly to them... That is actually evidence as to why you shouldn't trust the shoppies union rather than like the, the fact that the employer is like, oh, well, look, I know you want to be in a union and we've got a real good union for you that will actually do all the paperwork for you. Don't even worry about it. Do you want to be in the shoppies union? you got to join union. You've got to join the union. You're in. Great. Bye. Don't talk about unions anymore. <laughs> as soon as it's
1: convenient, that just shows just how bad it is. Um, I also wanted to mention as well, um, uh, Sally McManus the um, Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Um, Who is purportedly quite leftist? Like she's like expressed a lot of socialist beliefs, but um, she unfortunately has been carrying that one line that a lot of the Labor Party has been doing lately, which is um, to lower migration rates in light of um, COVID, like using COVID as a good excuse to basically clamp down the borders, Um, but also using um, the temporary visa system as an excuse for that. So uh, a quote from her is basically, too many employers have been using the temporary visa system to avoid hiring locals and to exploit people whose visa status and security depend on their employer. The result has been serious and systemic wage theft, which you would think, okay, sure, the the visa system is wrong. But what the article that she's specifically sharing is, the title is, do we want migrants to return in the same numbers? The answer Hmm. is no. (laughs) Which <laughs> isn't
2: crazy. It's so bad. Cause it's just this whole thing of like, oh, you know, oh, the, 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 the fact that migrant workers have such bad protections means that employers are like using migrant workers to undercut the rights for non-migrant workers. And you're like, oh, right. So we should make sure that migrant workers get better workplace protections. Oh, no, no, no. Less migrants. Like,
3: what? <laughs> It's the classic thing they keep saying, which is, oh, we need to stop immigration for for their own good, you know? We've got to stop those migrants for their own good.
1: She's just so completely avoiding, like, the structural uh, elements at play, and it's specifically for party reasons because the ACTU is so closely aligned with the Labour Party. So they'll always have, like, similar talking points, and to not go against that for something so specific and obvious, it's beyond the pale.
0: Yeah, that um, that article. Do we want migrants to return um in the same numbers? The answer is no. That's from Labor Senator Christina Keneally. She has been pushing this dog whistle racist line That's since. That's not even dog th- whistling. That's
3: just straight up
0: racism. Yeah, it's the it's the, she's been pushing it since the Labor Party lost the federal election and have no idea what to do with themselves except go. Oh, we're the Liberal Party too. You can still vote for us, I guess. It is fucking disgusting that she will use immigrants like this as a political pawn, she will dog whistle to the racists and just have a very overt, like, the the immigrants are bad, we've got to lower the numbers and then if she's questioned on it by actual leftists can go, oh well actually no, it's a systemic problem but I'm not going to offer any systemic solutions to the whole thing. Then for Sally fucking McManus to get on board there as well and sell out a whole bunch of workers by saying they just shouldn't come to this country anymore and we should fuck over the ones that are here as opposed to, I don't know agitate for proper fucking change Legislation to protect workers is disgusting. I do not pay my union dues to a bunch of different fucking unions for the head of the ACTU to just go, actually, the Labour Party are real good when they appeal to racists. Fuck you, Sally McManus. Fuck off.
1: (laughs) One more thing in there as well. Um, It's particularly, like, aside from it just being obviously bad to be pushing this point, it's particularly bad right now because. Who are the workers, are the temporary workers and the casuals who are not benefiting from job keeper or job seeker? It's them. They're not, they're not getting any sort of assistance right now when they need it the most. And meanwhile, the head of the ACTU is saying, hey, we should just get rid of migrants altogether because... Yeah, and she's also saying we should
0: make it worse for the part-timers and the casuals. Yeah. They're in lockstep with this whole thing because they're running the same line, the same fucking thing they did with the Adani in different places, like the um, CFMEU and whatnot, sort of saying that what is most important is just the concept of employment, just a job. doesn't matter how bad the job is. doesn't matter what the conditions are. doesn't matter how bad it is for the people around it or the environment or whatever else. We just need people in jobs, and it's very much out of step with what the country and the planet needs, and with what people want. We don't yeah, want it's shit that work. jobs. Of
2: work ethic again.
3: Um, exactly. Well, I, it's also uh, crisis capitalism to a degree because it's using a situation like coronavirus, which is obviously yeah. resulting in unemployment, people losing their work. They're going, okay, great. Let's use this. We've oh, no, we've got a lot of unemployment. Let's get rid of the immigrants. Oh, no, we've got uh, bloody uh, people spreading a virus which has come from another country. Let's get rid of the immigrants. Oh, no, it's climate change. We've got less water and resources. Let's get rid of the immigrants. If your answer is so often the same thing, regardless of your problem or regardless of what the experts say or what will actually work, it seems to me like you've got a different sort of agenda. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. If you're always coming up with the same solution to the problem, like maybe you don't, And we're like, nationalize it. Nationalize it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we do have an agenda though.
1: I, I wanted to wrap up just a final thing as well with that. Like, I know we've been quite angry about the Shoppies Union in this and recommending people like join up to other unions. But it's a point we keep coming back to that even though we're a very pro-union podcast, you have to question your unions oh, yeah. as well, as to whether they're doing the work that's required to keep you protected. Uh, and that's, a, th- I mean, that's the whole principle of a union. If they're not strong in, in, in being able to help you and for you to help others, then what's the purpose of it? Like yeah. I, there's so many people right now who are fighting with NTU's leadership um, in sort of their direction at, at this time. And that's important. Like you need—you don't have to listen to the, un- the leadership if they're not doing what they need to do to protect you.
0: Who's the NTU? The NTEU are uh, one of my the unions, actually. They're unions. The tertiary unions, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that take care of lecturers, professors, oh, and, yeah, and yeah, teachers. Yeah. The
1: National Tertiary and Education Union.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were absolutely fucking useless a couple of years ago until the membership forced them to do some really good work at the uh, at an unnamed university. Who can say? <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's
0: there's a real thing where it's like the the
2: bloody shoppies union and the sort of the, the the things that are like that 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 are really more like, PR arms for the employer rather than doing anything that a union should be doing. Yes, absolutely. It's the same thing that's going on with, like, clean coal, where it's like, we need climate <laughs> action. And they just pick a thing that they, they're doing and they're just like, that's climate action. Mm-hmm. You, th- there you go, aren't you happy? And you're like, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that that no, sucks. I- <laughs> that's not what I asked for. You, you just took a thing that's different and called it the thing that I asked for and then said, why aren't you happy? We've already done... Like, the Shoppies union is not a union. They're an employee... Like, they're an employer... Uh,
1: association
2: association that just like works to legitimize undercutting employee rights and they're like there you go it's a union it's not a fucking union
3: I think that's a very (laughs) important point a union is when you've got a whole bunch of people and they all have a collective voice and sometimes that needs to be channeled through a a spokesperson or or what have you but at, at the point where the people in that union don't have a say in the union's decisions it's not a union Um, And I think that's something that will – it's a natural tendency for any large body that has a a leader or a spokesperson or whatever. If you've got like a a leadership, that leadership can tend to get entrenched and become less representative. And so, you've got to constantly be working to make sure that the the voices of that large body of people are heard. Um, Yeah. And if that involves, you know, overthrowing the union with a union union or whatever (laughs) – you know, <laughs> this is why revolutions often happen for very good reasons and then the leaders of the revolutions become shitty and then there needs to be a new revolution. It doesn't mean revolutions are bad. It means that leadership is often bad or yeah. or mm-hmm. not thinking through your structures of of unionization. Um, yeah, that kind of thing.
2: <laughs> I mean, with revolutions, it's also that the... the, the- the fact that people who are good at leading revolutions are not good at responsibly running a country. Exactly. So any revolution that doesn't finish with the leader of that revolution Immediately standing down and being like And I'm never touching any of this again Don't respect me anymore (laughs) I brought in the guillotines Uh, You don't want a guy who's good at guillotines Being the guy who's drafting your laws Yeah either that or we just need a perpetual
0: state of revolution Either
2: or Yeah um, (laughs) I don't don't think
3: that's what we want either Look I'm not
2: going to pretend Centrist Lang Look if you don't want a perpetual state of revolution Lang Take it up with the moon (laughs) Fuck off The COVID Safe app is a bunch of shit. There's some fascinating stuff that's been coming out recently by uh, open-source engineer Jeffrey Huntley, who is a security researcher who's been looking into the app with a team of other security researchers, but he's the, the the main one who's been talking about it. Um, this is sort of quite cool community effort to figure out what the problems with the COVID Safe app are, because there has clearly been no official effort to do that they didn't release the source code of the app Um, so some of the engineers uh, in this team basically um, reverse engineered it to get uh, a a sort of close enough version of the source code and uh, have been looking at that and reporting what they've found and also just uh, collating all the bug reports and stuff and oh my god (laughs) it's just a, a, a litany of, uh of, of errors a litany is a uh, religious term that means a list that's so long that no matter what's in it it gets boring as you read it out and so I'm yeah. gonna do
1: that <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the list though um I, I just want to like brag about a bit of solidarity that I did yesterday. Um, uh, someone, <laughs> uh, now that the salons are back open where you can have like one person at a time in there. So I went into the disinfected hair salon to get my fringe trimmed. Um, <laughs> my- <Caution> for
0: <laughs> Evie.
1: I'm sorry. I'm a woman. Self-care is important. <laughs> no,
0: no. I got a pizza yesterday. Same
1: thing.
0: Please do not listen to me about how do to take care of hair me. in particular. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But uh, so she was asking me about the app and I managed to convince her because she was like, I don't understand anything about technology, but they just said, if I've got the app, then I can go to places. And I was like, well, <laughs>
0: so wrong That's Let me bullshit. sit down and oh,
1: explain to God. you While you take care of my hair
0: <laughs> That's the type of person you want breathing in your face for half an hour <laughs> <laughs>
1: She was, 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 very was very good I love okay.
0: hairdressers For not understanding
3: how technology works uh, If the government is directly lying to them <laughs> yeah.
1: And she's not
2: breathing in your face She's breathing on your fringe
1: Exactly No, she performed <laughs> an essential service And she did so in a sanitary fashion And for that I thank her and I gave her knowledge about the app
0: She's <laughs> a real hero
1: Yeah <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> she's an essential worker because she she's a worker. <laughs>
1: oh dear. She's ensuring – she's making sure that I stay hot at all times and that's important to me.
2: <laughs>
3: Back to McLean's litany.
2: <laughs> yeah, so uh, the some of the issues that have come in about this are uh, that it is really bad for your phone's battery life. Um, it interferes with other Bluetooth connections that you might have going on. So if you've got, like, wireless headphones, your headphones – uh, there's reports of headphones dropping out. There's also reports from Diabetes Australia, that people who use continuous glucose monitoring hardware, uh, which uses Bluetooth to tell you, phone that you might be having an insulin spike. Um, Those have also been dropping out, which is much worse Mm -hmm. than uh, having an interrupted podcast. Um, There is a lot of people reporting that they've been unable to actually register their ID on the app. So you you download it, you get sent a pin, and then you use that to, to complete the registration. Some people didn't receive the pin in the first place. Sometimes the app had an error when they tried to enter it. Um, The app will let you download the app, even if your phone doesn't support the Bluetooth technology that it uses. (laughs) Um, All this sort of like people have downloaded, but weren't able to register for some reason means that the actual number of downloads that the government has been spruking as reasons that the app is a success or that, you know, people are downloading it is not a useful figure because uh, uh, you know the, there's some significant percentage of people who are using like not like 20% or anything but i i think it's like certainly upwards of 3% of people who have downloaded it haven't actually been able to use it in the first place at all so the the number of downloads whenever somebody cites that is just directly misleading like that's that's the maximum number of people and it is just definitely less than that that's including they, sorry
3: have they actually activated the app yet? Because last I heard most states and territories, like, even if you got coronavirus, it didn't effectively, like, the app wasn't up and running.
2: Yeah. So, the app hasn't been up and running in terms of, like, the communication tech that has been happening has been happening, but it hasn't been integrated with the actual healthcare systems. So, that, the the loop there is not closed yet, or at least the, the last time I read about it, it was not closed.
3: Right. So, so, if you have the app, you're probably not getting the warnings that you should uh, if you've come in contact with someone with coronavirus.
2: I think that there are warnings happening now, but okay. the, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> well read enough on that um, angle of it. yet you- Because that's more of an issue with healthcare services rather than with... Technology.
0: Right. Yeah. However, you might actually be getting a warning that says you have tested positive for COVID because there is a bunch of user errors that keep coming up where people accidentally click through into the wrong things and get a warning saying yeah. that you've <laughs> tested positive for COVID.
2: Yeah. So this this is a really just, <gasps> this isn't even a, a bug. This is just an astonishingly bad design decision <gasps> where basically uh, if if uh, there's, a, there's a button on there that's just like, have you oh been asked God. by a healthcare uh, worker to report that you have COVID? if you press that, the very next screen doesn't really have anything like that and it just has a thing up the top that says you have tested positive for COVID and then like what to do next. The idea behind this is like, so you've tested positive for COVID. What do I do? But the way that they've written it is just like you have tested positive for COVID as though it is giving you that new information and this is there, there are already reports of people receiving this and panicking, and this is like this has been on the news. I think it was last week um, that that yeah, people just being like, I thought the app was telling me that I had COVID, and I I did not have COVID.
1: Wait, so just to just to clarify, this is also you can get to this screen even if you haven't been tested.
2: Absolutely, yep. like you you have to press the button that says somebody told you that you had COVID, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a user error. It's not a technical bug. But the, the, I, I come from a scene that says, make sure that, like, yeah. your users can't fuck themselves up. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's absolutely a bad design decision. And yeah. if you have an app that can erroneously tell somebody that they have COVID, if they're not paying attention as they use the app then, look, Newsflash, nobody's ever fucking paying attention when they're using an app. That's not how people use apps. And this is actually, this kind of leads into the next point. The app, it turns out, doesn't meet the Australian government's minimum accessibility guidelines. Uh, we have this standard called WCAG, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. I think. Anyway, the, the government has certain rules if you're developing an app for them that is like fonts have to have this much contrast they can't be super super tiny the button has to like basically there's a lot of different ways that people use technology if they have like vision impairment or mobility impairments or that sort of thing
1: there's all sorts of like screen readers and things
2: screen readers are absolutely one of these things and yeah it looks like the uh Covid Safe app doesn't meet those guidelines so if you're like well wow, how could somebody who's like you know, not paying full attention. You should just be paying attention. It's like, well, maybe you have a vision impairment. You couldn't read that button correctly. You pressed it. Now you've got COVID, according to the (laughs) the app. Maybe you got...
3: Maybe you got chunky fingers and you meant to push something else and now you think you've got coronavirus.
2: Um, The app, as well as not meeting the government's own minimum accessibility guidelines, uh, also looks like it violates some open source licenses. Mm -hmm. So, notoriously, the Australian government has refused to release the source code to the app, uh, but the people who are poking through the decompiled source code have found that it uses some GPL3 uh, technology. GPL is an open source license uh, that basically says this is open source software you can use it in your software if your software is open source mm. so if you use that software in your software and you don't release the source code you have you know you've stolen that that software and so the government has done some intellectual property theft in terms of making this <laughs> app
3: jesus does it does it violate the geneva convention <laughs>
2: Well, I suppose like telling people they have COVID uh, is uh, <laughs> cruel and unusual. I don't know what the GV conventions are in a uh, <laughs> in a detailed sense. I only follow the Twitter account that tells you whether you can violate the GV conventions in certain video games. Um, <laughs> they have been uh, obviously still releasing updates to the app. So, so some of these issues have been resolved since they were initially reported. So the screen that tells you that you have COVID when you don't actually have COVID has been removed in a recent update. Um, The the government did, uh, you know, act on that bug report. Um, The researchers looked at the differences between the old version and the new version of the app uh, that took a full week to come out after the uh, initial reports of the uh, erroneous uh, you've tested positive message. And they found that they had removed that message and they had done a bunch of like graphic design updates and, you know, like new paint on the walls. And they had not addressed any of the privacy or security issues that the security researchers had already addressed. So they spent a full week um, changing the text on one screen and, you know, just like making it look prettier and not addressing any of the privacy and security concerns. So just
3: money well spent. (laughs) <laughs> spent
2: that and Holy shit, it was a lot of money. The government spent $400,000 over 10 days developing the prototype alone. And I, I looked at the breakdown of those costs. And some of them, I, as somebody who works in tech, have no idea how you would spend that much money in that amount of time on some of the stuff that they're spending money on. This is an incredibly poorly informed, incredibly wasteful expenditure. Um, to get is, an app that is just riddled with bugs. It's uh, a comparison. And I called that.
1: And some of the digital rights and researchers people who have like been talking about the app and its inconsistencies and security flaws and that sort of thing, um, as they've correctly pointed out, um, the app is being used as essentially now part of a propaganda war. Like we've talked about it in the previous episode too. It's just insane. Like, you know, these people who... Like are, are willing to talk about how the app is just their their gateway into getting into stadiums on time. Like, come on.
3: Or the the thing where it was like, I'll oh, get the app so you can see your mum on Mother's Day, and it's like,
1: okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: now hang on. Even if you got the app, and even if uh, like Mother says tomorrow, um, you're not going to get a report about having coronavirus in that time. The app is not going to keep your mum safe on Mother's Day.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. Is the government continues to talk about the app? as though it protects you from getting covid. Yes, it it is simply not true. It it, it abso- like it, it protects a population at a population level by working as a small boost to a manual contact tracing effort. Like no individual will see any benefit from using or even being in a society with the COVID-safe app, it, the benefit is, is a, the benefit is at a societal scale, and the operation is at a societal scale. But the government continues to talk about it as though it's an app that, as soon as you get COVID, it's like, hold on, you've got COVID, and as soon as you're about to walk into a room that somebody who has COVID and the app in is in that venue, it's going to your app's going to be like, don't go in there. Mm. There's a, there's an infection risk.
3: At Ooh. best, it's going to tell you you might have got COVID a week ago. That's all the useful information you're going to get, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it the app is a shield. It's fucking called COVID Safe. They they keep just being like, get the app, make sure you don't get COVID Safe, and don't give it to your friends. Uh, make sure you don't get COVID and <laughs> give it to your friends. Like th- that's not what the app does.
1: That's why I was laughing about you talking about the error message and people freaking out because I was like, people definitely believe that they got COVID by seeing that message. Like, just 100% despite having not been tested. think
2: that Stuart Robert, Malcolm Tur- not Malcolm Turnbull, Stuart Robert, bloody Scott Morrison. I reckon they think it works like that because we both, like, like, all of us know that none of them have any understanding of technology, and so I reckon they, in this case, have drunk a hundred percent of their own medicine. I reckon all of them are like, "Yeah, why aren't people bloody installing the app? It stops you getting COVID."
0: <laughs> I mean, it is it is one hundred percent part of a. You know, as, as 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 much as I don't like it for various reasons, the whole Scotty from marketing thing yeah. is apt in this case because they're now using COVID safe as a fucking adjective and as a marketing talking point. Like, we're gonna get to a point where Scott Morrison's gonna come out and be like, Well, I wanna wish everyone a COVID safe morning and uh, how are we doing? We're heading towards a COVID safe economy, and my COVID safe lunch is uh coming up soon, so I'm gonna have to make this brief. <laughs> like they're using yeah, it in a, they they're trying to they're trying to get the term out there to mean not just, hey, this app can help with content. Contact tracing. They're trying to get it out there as a catchphrase, which is what the Liberal Party have done for the last decade. So, so they can appear to be doing something. We've got to get the economy COVID-safe again, and people go, "Well, what does yep. that mean?" And then you have got the app, which is COVID-safe. Oh, I'll we'll get the app because I like the economy, or i don't need to have a COVID-safe Mother's Day. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, I'll get I've got the <laughs> app. It's got Mother's a shield Day? on it. <laughs> yeah, which is just <laughs> nonsense. Like it should, it should be called that. The app should be, it should be advertised as die for the country. Oh. We need, we need reporting <laughs> on that. Do- get in the get in get in the grinder. Get in there, work your fingers to the bone, and if you get corona, thanks for adding your number to the list. Because the- yeah, make sure you download GrindSafe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about uh, a COVID-safe Mother's Day, um, Harvey Norman is currently advertising phones oh, as compatible oh, with the COVID-safe app
2: that, <laughs> for Mother's that, Day. <laughs> when I fucking saw that, that is one of the oh, I- that it's fucking drives blink. me up the fucking wall. Like Mr. Norman, phone sir, you, you are buy today Is already COVID safe because it just requires a relatively new version of Android and a phone that has Bluetooth technology support. Like that is that's not cutting edge. If you've got a phone that's a few years old, 50-50 that, that it'll work on your phone. But if you're buying new phones, you don't like COVID safe is not a selling point. And so the Harvey Norman being like, oh shit, you know, society's being devastated across the globe by this pandemic. Let's make a couple fucking dollars. This is pandemic profiteering and Just that whole place should be burnt to the fucking ground. Go to hell. Do 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 a George Pell and like burn. And if you have to die to go to hell to burn, then I'm okay with that. But burn in in whatever way that you feel comfortable with. Just (laughs) set yourself on fire. Jerry Harvey, you horrible guy. I mean, (laughs) this this is me finally waking up to how bad Jerry Harvey is. Now he's 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 on your
1: official enemies list, Tom.
2: No, Um, it's really hard to get on the official enemies list.
1: Jerry (laughs) Harvey
3: specifically said. Jerry Harvey specifically said. That this pandemic was good for business, the world's changed, this is an opportunity, our sales are up. Great stuff. <laughs>
0: COVID um, yeah, COVID is disrupting the international economy. And boy, it's a it's a time for entrepreneurs to get ahead. And if you're not taking the, if you're not making the most of your isolation by inventing new technologies and distribution chains and like whole like nationally recognized chainsaws, what are you doing with your time? COVID's good, actually.
3: Not only did he say that this was a great opportunity, he also said, it's nothing to be scared of. It's not the Spanish flu. I'm not scared. I'm 80. It's fine. Right. So you it's a jerk on several uh, levels. Yeah, yeah, I
2: think anyone who ends the pandemic richer than they started it should be treated like child abusers. That is to say, like, kind of keep them swept under the rug so that it doesn't impact the, the sort of, like, structures of power that are in the, uh, the world today.
0: I mean, I'm
3: pretty sure we don't have laws against war profiteering, but we should and they should be tried as such.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I don't even want laws against them. I want Jerry Harvey to live in a world where if he walks out in public, people spit on him and, like, physically spit on him because he's a disgusting person and if I see him, I'm going to spit on him.
3: Yep. Or that he just has to go door to door and say, "Hey, I profiteered during the pandemic, and I used to be a billionaire." Just oh, a gotta p- let you guys know. Profiteers
2: registry. <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> Please spit in my mouth. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, he can do the he can do the contact tracing. He just goes to literally everyone, gets a test afterwards. I mean, that's how we find out who's got it. It's it's so terrible.
2: Anyway, there's one last note about the problems with the COVID Safe app, as exposed by these security researchers. Um, and that is that, that whole list that I was talking about is not the bad stuff. The, the way that a responsible security researcher operates is they find the bugs and then they figure out a way to tell the people who can fix the bugs what the bugs are without telling everyone. Because if you tell everyone, then the hackers know exactly what the bugs are. They know exactly how to take advantage of them. And they do that because it takes time to fix a bug. And so a responsible security researcher will use sort of secret disclosure channels so that they can tell uh, an app producer what the bugs are so that hackers don't take advantage of all the people using the app while that person's fi- while that group is fixing the bug the people developing covid safe have not made those channels those, there is no way to responsibly disclose a security vulnerability with the COVID Safe app. So the security researchers have been desperately trying to reach the DTA, saying, "We found these bugs. We can't report them publicly." So the ones that they've reported publicly are not the bad ones that they have oh, found.
1: Oh wow! So there's we so much. We don't know worse. what the
2: bad ones that they found are because the security researchers are responsible and they don't want to release them publicly because then that's exactly how you get a data breach. But they've been contacted the DTA, and the DTA has been like. Don't want to hear about it. We're not setting up those channels. We're not responding to your calls. The security researchers, all security experts, are like, let us help. Like, we also know how to fix these bugs. We don't even want money for it. We're just like sitting around at home under quarantine. Like, (laughs) just give us access to the source code, release it publicly, and we will start work ourselves now on fixing these security flaws. And the DTA is like, nah. So, you know, phone's
3: off. At this point, um, would we have been better off to just spend a thousand bucks to make an app that every hour just said, hey, wash your hands, don't go out and hang with people.
2: Yep. <laughs> Honestly, yep. yeah. We, we would have, like, th- th- there's no, like, people reporting these issues on, like, th- you know, this is actual users of the app saying, like, you know, oh, I can't log in, I didn't get sent the pin, you know, I can't install it, that sort of thing. They're making these bug reports on the app store, on social media, that sort of thing. And there's no response to them either. Like, Nobody's been hired to do community management or social media responses or like hey here's how you solve this issue. Oh thanks for you know getting in touch, blah blah blah. There's there's no actual communication around it. They're just like download the fucking app. Don't get coronavirus, you idiot. <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh you got a question? Fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so hostile. Everything about it is hostile. I think that's like I mean,
2: I put on a voice then. I don't No, think it's I, I that no. Hostile,
1: but. <laughs> no but, <laughs> Okay, aside from Tom's uh, supervillain voice, like the communication about it has been really hostile. Like everything about it is do this, otherwise you can't go visit your mother or do this or you can't go back to the footy. Like it's just scolding and just the voice about it is just really – it's like Morrison just talking about the lockdowns now in general. It's like, oh, we can't we can't be seen to be hiding under the doona. Shut up. Uh, like, it's uh, yeah,
2: totalitarian yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way that they can sort of communicate with the public is through a language of control. That's that's the only way that they know how to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one last point about the uh, app, which is sort of adjacent to the technology stuff, and it's just an amazing bit of political doublespeak, is uh, Mike Pizzullo, who is the Secretary of the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, who uh, is... Uh, responsible for like the Australian Federal Police, Border Force, ASIO, that sort of thing, um, he testified that uh, his law enforcement agencies would not be able to access the data generated by the app, saying it would be contrary to the law.
3: Okay. So they could access it, they just shouldn't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, I just want to say always listen out for that one because that's always what happens when they mean, yes, we could. Uh, is they'll say, well, that would be illegal.
3: Yeah. Uh, Luckily, the government or the AFP never does anything illegal, so...
2: unrelated to unrelated to people uh, uh, saying that they couldn't possibly violate people's privacy because that would be illegal. uh, The uh, New South Wales police watchdog finished its investigation into all the different times that their officers strip search children without guardian supervision and concluded that yes, all of the strip searches were unlawful, but no, nobody involved should face any consequences.
1: What's the point of these watchdogs anyway? And
2: indeed (laughs) the splendor in the grass organizers didn't provide sufficient space for privacy during those. Illegal strip searches So they right. should have done that Like really it's kind of on Splendor in the Grass Here yeah. and not the police officers Who are strip searching children
3: I am mean, assuming Splendor in the Grass also didn't provide suspic- Sufficient space for lots of illegal activities They probably didn't provide sufficient <laughs> space For a, a wartime execution Or uh, you know Anything else cops <laughs> might do <You> know, Torture <laughs> chambers um, <laughs> Illegal strip searches You know the list goes on <laughs>
1: Options. stay home. Don't follow my lead. Okay, I- if you must go to the hairdresser. Fucking
3: <laughs> hell. If you see anyone with good hair out there, you know they are a bloody scab.
1: <laughs> I have definitely been a lockdown scab. <laughs> This is my main, this is my
0: point. I mean, I'm not going to get into it now because we're in actions, but like you you really only, you really only can have two levels of lockdown because people either hear we've got easy restrictions, we've eased them off. Things are easy. Don't worry about it. No much, not many restrictions or we're in lockdown. Stay home. Because even when we're on the highest lockdown, people will do below that for the most part. So you have to go as hard as you sort of can. So yeah, the action for this week, just pretend we're still on the highest level of lockdown. That's the only way That's the only way to get around it.
1: Victoria's yeah, going to yeah. do that anyway. Um, so there's been sort of announcements now about how the plan for easing restrictions is going to look like. Um, and Victoria's basically said, look, we're just going to continue on what we're doing right now. We'll make some announcements maybe in the next week uh, about how our easing is going to look like, but don't expect it to happen anytime soon. I've noticed that a whole bunch of other states have planned to like release um, restrictions on going to the pub. Uh, I would definitely not recommend that.
3: No. Um, Victoria's numbers started to go up a bit. I don't know why that's happened, so we really need to be careful. Yeah,
1: I completely agree. Like I, like I, I I know that everyone's sort of being breaking like you know just to do go to the shops where they need to in you know protective gear and what have you. But as far as like regular life is concerned, where you can go and meet your friends again and not have to worry about it, that's still not uh, that's still a long way away. And oh, yeah. we should definitely act like that is the case, um, and to think yeah. that it's going to be any different, I think, is just being very like delusional at this point. Another I'm action. going
2: to just operate on a, I reckon, a couple week lag. Just whatever actually happened. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, just
1: gonna definitely.
0: I'm just
2: gonna pretend that happened. You know, two three weeks later. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that's that's been my thing is yeah, th- uh, yeah, two two weeks behind wherever we are, else we are because then if we have to shut down a week into my fortnight self-imposed restriction, I'm not going to change much. Yeah. I'm not going to get bummed out.
1: Like I already Um, talked to my work um, and uh, they're sort of in the same mindset as well. Um, They've had a lot of people saying, hey, so as soon as restrictions are lifted, can we go back to work? Like, okay, first of all, who are all these squares who wants to go straight back to the office? (laughs) Uh Secondly, like I still said to my boss, look, I'm going to operate on a delay here. I know that there's going to be an increase and I still don't want to put myself and my partner at risk. Uh, So assuming that lockdown is going to ease within the next couple of months, um, I still probably won't be back by September like or spring whenever you know the, the high-risk period is gone. Um, and yeah. so uh, I think it's best to operate on the assumption that things aren't going to be normal, quote-unquote, for a very long time.
0: Um, another action this week, um, if you're in the shop is union, uh, leave it and join a better union.
1: Yeah, quit yeah. your union. Join the uh, retail and fast-food workers' union, Or um, Hospo Voice. They're both great unions for retail workers.
0: Um, And shout outs this week. Go and download the Mandatory Redistribution Party podcast. They are a lot of fun. I've been listening to it. I've just been
2: binging maybe a little bit too much of them recently. But they are uh, two radical leftists from Northern England. And they're talking. So it's a UK focused one, but they are uh, delightful to listen to. Very funny guys. Um, They know their stuff and they really have a lot of uh, interesting stuff to talk about the most recent one that i was listening to they were talking about all the different times in pretty recent history that the uk tested biological agents on their own people and were so classist that they didn't even really bother to hide what they were doing they were just wow. like setting up people in lab coats outside villages and then uh, sort of poisoning them and then the people would be like hey what are you doing and they're like oh fuck off you have n- it's none of your business peasant <laughs> <laughs> jesus uh yeah uh, so uh, interesting stuff in uh mandatory redistribution party uh you know shout out to them from across the pond
3: oh and um if you do have the opportunity don't play monopoly uh friends don't let friends play monopoly <laughs> literally anything else you do will be a better use of your time
2: yeah what's a good board game that if people wanted the same thing out of monopoly
3: Depends what you want. If you just want to hang out with your friends and have a nice time, um, Ticket to Ride is a good one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Ticket to Ride. That's for a good board game fun. for people who aren't huge nerds, Ticket to Ride, everybody likes it. Or code Names, also delightful.
0: Also, you could pick up a copy of uh, Mouse Ritter, you could pick up a copy okay. of Story Wars, or you could pick up a copy of Village Pillage. Those are really fun games to play um, anytime you want to play any sort of game.
2: Yeah, that the, is tr- My favorite thing gems. about- My favorite thing about board games is getting your friends over to your house.
0: (laughs) I I I miss it so
3: much.
2: Uh. Restrictions are easing. It's good. Can't believe I got to wait another two weeks after lockdown gets listed before I can fucking play Ticket to Ride with my best friends. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch, we are at notgoodpod on all the socials or notgoodpod at protonmail.com via email. Let us know what you think, any follow-up questions or, uh, you know, secret admissions of corruption if you're an MP and you want to, you know, like, vent your sins. Uh, It's more healthy than confession because you're not supporting a institution that uh, perpetuates child abuse.
3: Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation Uh, We want to acknowledge their elders past, present, and emerging, and to recognize that this land was never ceded.